What's up, guys? It's Gutex, and today we're uh, launching a brand new podcast series. We're going to see how this goes. It's a podcast about content. I get a lot of questions from a lot of different people about how to get started with content, whether it's gaming or streaming or YouTube or Instagram or, in this instance, music. Um, and so I thought it might be useful for a lot of people to who are also trying to like get started or knee deep in the content struggle as I have been for the past, I don't know, 10, oh, what year is it? Don't get old. Uh, for the past uh, 12 years, I thought it might be useful to share a lot of the stuff that I've kind of learned along the way. And so this first episode is uh, with an old friend of mine, Zed Tabani. You, you may remember him for... His, some of his early work, if you're a uh, fighting game person that was around back in uh, 2010, he did uh, the, uh, the intro for the EVO 2010 uh, finals. And uh, he's been chugging along making music for the past uh, seven years ever since then. And so I uh, chatted with him a couple weeks ago and we talk a lot about music and marketing and I hope that you find this useful so send me a or post a comment or hit me on Twitter and let me know what you think thanks for listening I'll see you later all right what's up guys I'm here with Zed Tabani and I know him as Zed Tabani <laughs> but you may know him as Red Rapper and Tell us a little bit why you came down to the Six Figure Artist uh, Workshop. Well, um, hi, first of all. But um, uh, I, uh, I recently graduated Berkeley uh, College of Music in May. I went there for four years after doing stuff in the fighting game community for a while, doing like you know stuff for Evo, stuff for Capcom commercials and here and there. Um, getting your music in commercials. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. For gaming. Well, yeah, gaming commercials. I've done trailers for for video game events and everything. And me going to Berkeley, a lot of that was a lot of the fighting game work, and a lot of my thing for that had kind of dried up a little bit. And um, I wanted to get back more into the music side of things, um, and talk about stuff that I wanted to do. And so I left California for Boston to go to Berkeley and a lot of things changed for me the way I saw music the way I worked through music the way I saw myself as an entrepreneur more so than somebody oh I need to get a record deal and do this and do that um, and so coming back uh, I wanted to you know it seemed like a like a nice community of people to kind of like bounce ideas off of you know I know you've like I've heard the stories about you know you and started Cross Counter and mic and everything and um just to relay some ideas about how to move forward how to how to make a fan base stick as opposed to okay i interest interest somebody and then you know like they're like oh this is great but i'm not like activist about you know pursuing it does that make sense like pursuing this content like you show them content that they're interested in but they're not super like do you kind of feel what I'm saying? They're kind of loop, they're not lukewarm about it. They're excited about it, but there's nothing actively pushing them to constantly pursue more new content from you. So I wanted to see how to convert, you know, people who are interested more into people who will come to shows, people who will, you know, actively look at my pages, my Instagram, and my Spotify, and, and all that. If that makes sense, or am I being vague? No. Uh, you're after doing commercials and going to Berkeley you have like a different mindset and now yeah. that you're back living in Southern California you're trying to figure out how to get people more more excited more than lukewarm about your content which in this case is music yeah I mean like I think people do get excited when they like from from what I've seen people do get excited when they see me live right and I think the biggest issue is um, I mean, look at, look at, there's two models you can do for music in general, right? You can have the idea of, 
All right, you're going to hit trending songs, right? Like this kind of like pop trend kind of like line that's going up and down, right? And submit to blogs through Submit Hub, right? And try to market that way and base all of your hopes on networking and a label getting you everywhere you need to be. Or you could do the Chance the Rapper thing, which is try to throw your own shows, try to build your own fan base from the ground up. You know, you're not beholden to anybody, but it's a lot more work and you don't have to worry about having to do everything a label is going to tell you to do because music's kind of like the Wild West now. Everybody has different styles. Like Spotify is so ubiquitous and Apple Music is. Anybody can access any type of song they want. Um, so my thing was, I'm thinking, okay, well, if I want to go the Chance the Rapper route and try to build my own type of fan base from that, how do I make it so that you have credibility when somebody sees you. With a label, you have instant credibility. Oh my God, this guy's on a label, right? You know, I mean, it may, it may not seem that way, but like if you're at a show and the show's thrown by Atlantic Records, oh, it's Atlantic Records throwing this show. If this show is like an underground hip hop show and stuff like that, even if you're phenomenal, getting people through the door is very difficult in general. Does that make sense? Uh, what you're saying is that Having a label gives you more credibility. You feel like right. having a label gives you more credibility, but the problem with having a label is that then you're having to do what the label says and you're arguably not in control right. of your own destiny. Kind of, yeah. You're also you're also playing odds when you're when you're trying to shop to a label too. You're playing odds of like, okay, well, I have to like, I have to make a song like this. I have to make, like, this type of song, like, three or four different times, right? I have to get... Uh, I have to impress these people in order for anybody to hear this. I have to do things a certain way in order for any of my content to get out, right? Um, whereas the Chance to Rapper model is, well, you don't have to impress these people in order for your content to get out. You can You can spend all your time that you would, like, investing into, like oh, let me pitch it to this blog and this blog and this blog into doing your own thing and finding your finding people on your own who would love your music and showcasing it to them um, in order to gain and grow your fan base organically. Makes sense. Okay. I feel like, I'm, so I feel like I'm being confusing in some way if, if I am telling. No. No. I mean, you're not being confused. It's not confusing. I'm just thinking about it like... Like, I, I get what you're saying about the labels and not having it and whatnot, um, but I'm not convinced that, like, I think you're taking, like, a real, like, industry-minded approach to it. Yeah. Because when you, because maybe, yeah, you're right, maybe for people, for other musicians mm -hmm. and people who are familiar with or people that are involved in the music industry, then, yeah, maybe that matters. Right. Like, being on a label or whatever. Gotcha. But, like... Well, I don't think it Let me... I'll give you an example. Like, like so let me clarify. So, like, I do this thing called um, Random Street Raps for my Instagram and everything like that. The way I gain Instagram followers, the way I try to get people to shows, I have a little boombox. I go out on the street and I'll approach people and I'll rap to them, right? And my thing is, if I impress you, you follow me. If I don't, you can be like, fuck off. Don't talk to me anymore. Right? And But 90% of the time when I approach, people will say yes. You know? Um, like, 90% of those people, 90 of 90, 90% of those people will follow me. And 25% of those people who follow me are, like, really excited to follow me and want to go to a show within a week. Uh -huh. Right? Um, and they're, they're like, oh, send me music, da-da-da, you know, I can't wait to hear from this, Right? And, like, that, I'm saying, like, okay, so of that, like, clearly when I'm approaching somebody and I'm showing them this music, they're clearly excited to hear it in the moment. They're clearly very active and, like, oh, man, yeah, I want to be, I know when somebody's, like, lukewarm about it, they're like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll follow you. They're not going to check it, right? But if they're like, oh, man, do you have more stuff? Do you have a Spotify? Do you sure. have this? That means they're actively engaged, right? Yeah. And so my thing is, how do I get those people to 100% check it? I mean, you can't 
hold a gun to their head and do it. But converting those people into tickets through the door is the biggest uh, is the yeah, yes. do you see what I'm okay. saying? Yeah. So okay. like so like there's clearly an interest there in the product. Somebody's walked into if I have a mattress or somebody's walked into my mattress store and it's like I wanna buy something, right? How do you close that sale? I've clearly gotten you interested in it. Um, I send you music, you say you like it, there's a show this day, right? I feel like especially in like you were talking earlier about a ten second Snapchat world where everybody can kind of blaze around in California and not really do anything or look for better plans, it's very easy to ignore a show, you know, for an underground artist or an independent artist, right? Um, my thing is how you get people through the door after you've gotten them interested from something like that. Well, there's a couple of different ways to go about it. Specifically when it comes to what you're doing with Instagram, is I would say that Instagram is not that's it's not that Instagram is not important or relevant it's just not very good in my opinion for being able to follow up with people automatically right so I would ask them for Instagram to follow you on Instagram first but I would also ask for their email address mm -hmm. and you can just have it, you know, you have like a tablet or something and they just pop it in and then you could load those emails into MailChimp or ActiveCampaign or something. Right. And then number one, you have a growing mail mailing list of people that you can reach out to whenever. Mm -hmm. uh, and also you can set up what's called an autoresponder. So that way, once they sign up, they get like a welcome email, but then they also get a sequence, an automated sequence that could be, let's say, you know, here's the welcome email, which contains like a free download to whatever, or here's links to all my stuff. And then like a couple days later, it sends them an automatic email that says, hey, you know, it was nice to meet you the other day. Mm -hmm. Like, let me know if you got a chance to check out any of the stuff. All right. And then, like, a week after that, it's like, oh, hey, you know, just touching base with you. Like, here's a new song that I put up or here's a new video from a show. Right. And so you can create an, you know, an infinite number of emails like that that kind of just touch base with all these people automatically, individually over a long period of time. And right. there's like tons of material on email marketing and autoresponders and stuff. But essentially the idea is to build the relationship slowly over time and doing like by delivering value to them. In this case, you know, your music or videos or whatever right. with like super soft sells like every now and then like, oh, here's by the way, um, right. you know, I'm playing or here's like a couple dates like later. Yeah. And then once you have something that's, you know, you ha your show is like announced or whatever, it's a month away or whatever. Yeah. Now you can send like the real active email saying, hey, good news. Like the next show or shows is like this place. Click here to buy tickets. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's a more, well, number one, it's mostly automated once you set it up. And number two, uh, it's much more. You can see the effectiveness of each email because you'll see the open rate, the clicks, and whatever. So you can see the open rate overall. Okay, yeah. okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, because the problem with Instagram, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and any other social media platform, is that you are not in control. So right. the algorithm can change at any moment. Like maybe the algorithm today says, Hey, for everybody that you follow, like show their posts at the top of the feed for the next week. Yeah. And then after that, you're just back in the weeds with everybody else. And so yeah. now you're trying to like constantly play this Instagram algorithm game to just like reach people. Right. And it's not that it's not a, I mean, if it was something you're going to do anyways, it's fine. But like. I'm I'm just not a big I'm not a big proponent of like trying to build a following on social media for anything other than 
to just have credibility, not necessarily right. to like get your work out. So do you feel like email is still like I always worry if email has lost its effectiveness over the last couple of years just because, you know, I mean, like the reason I use social media was, yeah, because it builds credibility. It's a direct line to it. You know, I get one request when I approach people. I can do pretty much any request. Come to a show, listen to this song, yeah. follow a Facebook event for my album. Like I'll be like, follow this Facebook event, you know. You get one request, and people will usually grant it if they're impressed, right? Um, an email address, I did do emails for a while. Uh, maybe I wasn't using MailChimp. I wasn't doing that. But my worry was like, all right, well, I send out these emails, and a majority of them, people can just be like, I just don't want to read that right now. I just want to deal with that. Well, and yeah, I, guess, I mean, that's... Yeah. That, that, well, but yeah, Inst- like, it's, you're always going to have that struggle right. with whether it's Instagram yeah. or email or anything. That's true. Yeah, the, the, That's a good point. The, the other, I mean, I don't know, like, people, I, I mean, I, I hear it all the time. People are just like, oh, like, you know, people don't look at emails or emails lost its effectiveness. But the thing is that you're, okay, I mean, I guess it depends on, like, the demographic. But the thing is, like, yeah, people, people, people will just say anecdotally, like, oh, well, young people don't use email anymore. But, like, anecdotally, I was overhearing a conversation at the office where, like, this group of people with kids were talking about how in Pasadena, like, the kids have, like, the kids get assigned an email address by the school and have to memorize their password. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I fucking hate email, but I still have to look at it. And usually, I mean, this is just me being, like, a procrastinating asshole but like I'll see what's going on in the inbox Mm -hmm. but I click on updates first (laughs) right yeah so like and the the other thing is that there's a few for people that really like your stuff they're gonna read the email that's true and people who don't like your stuff like weren't gonna check it anyway yeah Yeah, they weren't gonna check on yeah definitely it's you you have the same I mean I don't know about the same percentage but you still have a a percentage of like okay so the total list or your total Instagram following is a hundred percent right you're still gonna have a percentage of that the vast majority both on Instagram or email or Twitter or whatever that never look at your stuff or don't really care or super lukewarm that's like 80% of everyone's following whether it's email or social yeah and it's really like the 1% that super fucking likes you and the 1% that, like, can't stand you and then everywhere else is, like, kind of... Like, it's like a bell-shaped curve. Right, exactly, yeah. But the same... But it's the same whether or not it was email or something else. The other thing that you might consider that I've been... Uh, I've had success with, but it's a little bit more difficult is uh text message marketing but people are like way more yeah people are way more willing to follow you on instagram but in my opinion that's not as effective that's true they'll be more likely to like you know send you uh maybe like put their email address in if you like assure them i mean everybody's like everybody's like oh you're gonna spam me blah 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 it's like dude like i don't have to spam you in order for like you well i haven't gotten a shit ton of that yeah i haven't gotten i haven't gotten that as much like i haven't gotten people who are like don't spam me as much i have like the the reason i've liked instagram is because my demographic does skew lower it skews between like you know like i have i have a demographic like Sixteen year olds like my shit. Then maybe they'll give you their phone number. That's tr- that's true. I think the phone number like I haven't thought about text message marketing like that before. But that's it. Are there like programs for that too, or like there's similar services? Emails? Um, the one that I've used is called uh, Easy Texting, and it's um, you call that? Easy, like the letters Easy Texting. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of them, and um, the only thing about that is. They, there's no real way to like automate. There's no real way to like automate it. Yeah. Um, that yet, but maybe there will be later. But I get, I've gotten text messages that I would consider like spam, mm-hmm. that are like that, and I've also gotten text messages for, like, 
underground warehouses parties like that. Right. And those are the ones where I'm just like, oh, even if I'm not going, I'm still like, oh hell yeah, like oh yeah, you're you buzzed for 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 something. That's yeah, I'm happen. like, yeah, this is yeah, this is cool. Like this is a cool way to do it. Yeah. And of course, you know, I guess at some point it's gonna be like, um, it's gonna be the same as email, maybe where you're just. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you. I'm inundated with text messages and horrible. And I'm getting as bad with text messages. I'm, get, I'm getting as bad at responding at test, text messages as I am at responding to emails. I think that's everybody, to be honest. Like, everybody's yeah. kind of inundated with information. And right. It's, like, very hard for people to, like, fire back a response because they're like, well, it's it, they're just overwhelmed and everybody's yes. in a little bubble, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's flaky. Everybody's overwhelmed. Everybody... So it's, like, in order to cut through the noise, you have to create stuff that's useful mm-hmm. entertaining or engaging or funny or something yeah. but to me like being uh, the problem with art or videos and music is that everything is just so subjective so there's no like right, right or wrong it's just like oh did people totally was somebody like totally into this or just kind of what else about it well I've been doing this for a while and it's like it's there's points where like I've definitely seen I definitely know when and that's not like it's it's just very obvious when there was somebody who told me like it's either great or it's shit because that's how music is like it's either great like wow I, I love this or it's just it's good is not good enough because there's a million people who are good there's a million good songs. There's a few great ones, right? And having to be able to cut through that noise is, is, is a big thing. Um, but again, my thing is like, you know, I don't even think great is this. I think if something's something's great, it's catchy, gets stuck in your head, you know? You're humming it while you go, you're excited after you listen to it. It gives you a feeling and you want to hear it again. Um, and you can see it on people's faces. There are people who, when... I perform for that are lukewarm like there there are few just because of like I've, I've performed a lot and like there are a few people who are like yeah okay you know it's whatever like 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 that was great you know it's cool yeah sure why not I'll follow you and they, I'll never hear from them again right but again my thing is like those people who are enthusiastic what is the point in that chain that is deferring them from committing to it does that make sense oh well I mean it's the same that that's the it just comes down to the bell-shaped curve again yeah right? like nobody is going to like every, i mean you could you can name like the in your mind like the top five top ten greatest songs of all time right and that would be different than everybody else's right top ten so there's no point in getting hung up on trying to create stuff that's like really good in the hopes that you're going to like move the needle and change it from let's say 10% of the people 10% of the audience being like really into it and 90% being kind of whatever like yeah who cares because if you look at your total audience even if you changed it from 90 10 to 85 15 if your audience, if your your core, like super hardcore audience of people who really, 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 really love mm-hmm. your stuff is like 500 people, and then you increase that by like 50% or whatever, what do you have, yeah. like 750 people? Like yeah. it's still not that much, Yeah. right? So my recommendation when it comes to like content, whether it's music or videos or art or whatever, is to try to do more of it so that you can, because every time that you do it, you're gonna get a little bit better. Yeah. And when you look at... Consistency. Uh, consistency yeah. over a long period of time, because, I mean, when you look at most, you know, really, most respectable artists that are, um, you know, they have long careers. Yeah. You know, like people who make it, it's not like 
they're not remembered f- f- because they put out like one great song or like one album. You know, yeah. like of course you have one hit wonders, but like, you know, when you look at, I don't know, like the Beatles and the Radiohead, yeah, and the Tools of the world, like you have like so much material over a long period of time, and that was only the stuff that they thought was good enough to show you, not right. all the all the garbage songs that they had to write. And toss yeah. in order to get to the good ones. Those ten, those ten or eleven that are perfect for that album. Cover. Yeah, like uh, you're familiar with Weezer. Yeah. So I don't know if you were following them after album three. Yeah. But they did before they did after they did the Green album, which album three, which was album three. They did this other album afterwards. They did an, uh, one. Uh, their next album was called Maladroit. Mm-hmm. And they did a summer of like free demos where they, and this was at a time around the Napster era, but certainly before YouTube, SoundCloud, before like Torrents, before any of right, stuff. Right, right, right. And they basically. All summer. That was in like 06, 07 or something? Yeah. Yeah. So it I, was I, a I, long time ago. Like MySpace days and shit? Yes. MySpace yeah. days around that, but before it was like commonly accepted that you just were going to put out all your music for free. These guys were... Wait, like, wait, wait are you saying before that? Before home? that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So these guys... I know, I know the album you're talking about, yeah. I think. Yeah. These guys spent an entire summer recording demo after demo Mm -hmm. and they would put them up online and then next week there would be like a new set of songs so a lot of them were the same but a lot of them got cut and the ones that made it to the album got better and better and better and better right and it was just fascinating as a fan to see that process in an era where nobody was doing that because this was you know, probably before or around the time that like Radiohead put out um, "In Rainbows for Free" and right. Nine Inch Nails was trying to do like the free the freemium model. Like, gotcha. Yeah, this was like so ahead of its time. Well, then that's like that's the other question I have is like, in terms of marketing, then is because everybody tells you like I've worked with like publicists and shit like that, and most of them will tell you, you know, like there's these two ideas about like building like exclusivity and mystery around your personality and your persona and I get that but I feel like as an artist you have to be a little bit more open and vulnerable and like honest you know especially because if you're starting out people need to know what the fuck is going on they can't just like look up your phone and like what the fuck is I don't know who this is like I'm not gonna look at it you know so my question is is that like do you feel especially for somebody not necessarily starting out but like building right that if you have a little bit of credibility, do you think mystery around your persona and around your brand is a better tool than openness? Or, like, for example, like, Instagram, like, they'll tell you, and I know we're going back to the Instagram and social media, and you've said that it's not, like, a big thing, but, for example, this is just an example of, like, oh, these pictures have to be organized in a certain way, the color schemes have to be simple, like, when you look at the layout, you know, you can't be, don't post stuff about, that you would post on a personal Instagram, on your business Instagram, right? And part of me thinks like, well, if you if somebody's a fan of you as an artist, shouldn't you be posting stuff that is in your life? You know, shouldn't you be posting about what's going on outside of it? Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't know. What do you think is more effective in, in that thing, or is it just kind of open? I, I think it. I think it also depends on like what field you're in. Like for example, um, like Banksy, right? Yeah. You know that dude has built an entire career on this like mystery and this aura but his work is also like you know ubiquitous everywhere um you know maybe if you were like i don't know like a pro wrestler or something you know but like normal like i would say that like 80 to 90 percent of most like artists whether they're musicians or they're doing videos Mm -hmm. or whatever like don't benefit from any sort of aura of mystery if that was not what it was supposed to be in the first place for example like daft punk right like 
there's certainly an aura of mystery around that, but their entire aesthetic and everything, essentially from the get-go, was Is that... built around that, around this entire... Them, like, they're like a concept band. Right? Yeah. Or whatever artists like gorillas or something. Yeah, they they have like the right. concept is 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 this whole other like art thing that people buy into first, right. right? As opposed to like personally their lives and stuff like that. Right. So I don't see an upside in trying to like. I don't see an upside in trying to be something that you're not if that's not what the spirit of the art is. Right. Yeah. So. I, I don't see when when I when I see um, people that are trying to build their audience um, or actually specifically in music, what I don't see is content about the creation of the music or just videos about them. Like for example, yeah, um, I was I went to. Uh, Splash House, uh, this pool party festival, and uh, James Murphy from LCD Sound System was playing a five-hour set on vinyl. And, That's fucking lit, right? Like, yeah, like that I'm is. A, yeah, like I'm a huge James Murphy fan, and just the, just the fact that you said on vinyl, yeah, is No Serato is a whole fucking ordeal to yeah. do. Because it means he has to go through all... He has to have two of every record. Yeah. He has to have... It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And when you're... I don't think you have to be on that level in order to create additional content that isn't just like a SoundCloud track. Right. Like, you know, there's instances... Maybe the only guy I've seen do it recently is like maybe Dead Mouse, where he's like streaming his creation process on Twitch. Right. Or before other stuff or other platforms before Twitch. And just having more I mean, even like interviews, podcasts, videos on YouTube about you know, your I, I just feel like people that are in music don't they only focus on just the music, but in today's world, it's not yeah. just about the music. Well, the other issue people is, will find you in so so many different ways. Right, and also tell me if I'm interrupting you too much right now. But like, it's like it's the thing is, is that especially going to Berkeley, like and like, and I know I talk about that a lot, but like, um, that's Berkeley's a pop, is a huge, it's a popular music school. It's different from Juilliard and all these other schools because it is specifically based on feeding the industry musicians, right? Uh, most of the engine, a lot of the engineers you'll find, a lot of the musicians on tracks that you're hearing on the radio and everything like that are from Berkeley. A lot of my graduating class is writing for Billboard right now. Like like the Camilla Cabela song with Quavo is my friend Sasha. You know, um, like a lot of third sto- the third story, the backing band for Chance is my friend Elliot. You know, like a lot of those people are there. And when when you go to Berkeley and like when you are around musicians a lot. The biggest pratfall you can get into, and I got into it for a while, was like constantly just a lot of artists go through it where you're just bitching about, I'm making music and it's hard. And like a lot of times you're told, like, we get it, you're making music and it's hard, what else do you have, right? You mean like as a starving artist? The starving artist song, like the struggle rapper song. Oh, like, okay, oh okay. man, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the str- yeah. Okay. Like, that's every, that's every, I mean, there's a way to do it. Where it's like interesting and you know, you're you're feeding what you are to an extent. You know, like if a, if you're if you're watching a stand up comedy set, and the comedian is only doing jokes about, man, it's really fucking hard going to open mics. Like no one's gonna relate to that. Yeah. You know, but if you're talking about everything around it, like you know his rent, how 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 he's paying the bills, him going to work, all of that makes up that image for people already. Right, and there's a way to do it. So I think a lot of musicians, like we're told, you know, don't talk about the creation process. We've heard enough of it, and you get past it because it is a problem for a while. Like I mean, dude, like even even before going there, like when I was putting stuff out, a lot of it was because I talked with Mike about it, and he was like, a lot of this is grit, but it's all you rapping about rapping. After a while, you rapping about rapping, no one get it's so meta. 
no one cares. Yes. But if you're rapping about like, oh man, like, like that's that's a big reason why I left like finding game rapping for a while is just because like it's great, but it wasn't like inspired. I wanted to talk about man, I'm Muslim in America and it's fucking hard. I have student loans and it's hard. I my friends are black and they're getting shot. It's hard. Uh, sometimes I want to rap about I want to go and fucking get drunk and it's hard. You know I want to talk about that shit, but. You know, like, I think after a while you push all the stuff about you making music behind it, you think nobody cares about it. But then when you have the skill to discuss things with nuance, maybe you bring it back. I don't know. Like, I, I always feel like people, I worry, you have a point. I'm just saying, like, that's, that's I think, why a lot of musicians don't immediately, like, go for the interview or go for the behind-the-scenes thing, like, because they're like, well, you know... The content should speak for itself, I guess, you know. The content can totally speak for itself. But I think of everybody that's in art or entertainment as having to be multidisciplinary now. Right. So if your main thing is music, then certainly the music should speak for itself. Right. However, when you're on stage at the highest level, Right. It's, you know, like when you look at like the EDCs and Coachellas of the world, right, right, right. Uh, for sure the music is a ginormous part of it, right. but there's a visual element as well. Oh, 100%. So yeah. because even, so even if you're successful to the highest level, to the highest degree, mm -hmm. you're still going to need another component to the music. To, and, to drive it forward, yeah. And it doesn't have to be you personally. You just have to know that at the highest level, that will be an issue. So either you have to put some thought into it, right. or you need somebody on your team that you work with that puts some thought into it. Right. So when you think of it that way, now we're not just musicians. Now we have to yeah. think, all right, well, what are the visuals going to look like? And now if we're going to think about visuals, it's like, okay, well, where's a good place to that people watch visual stuff? I don't know, YouTube or Twitch, mm -hmm. Facebook Live, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So now we're not just make we're not just in the lab, like, you know, cutting hot tracks yeah. or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? That's, that's how all of us sound. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. We're in the lab cutting hot tracks. Yep. That's that's how I do it. <laughs> I believe yeah. you. So when you think of it that way, then it's like, okay, well, that means that I don't just need a, I don't need I don't just need to be on iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify uh, people might find me on YouTube yeah people might find me on Instagram or well Twitter. but then that's that's what I'm saying is like what's your hub because like you have the I mean, hub should be you.com yeah see but like even for music that's kind of tough because like everybody's musician pages are now like landing pages for those are very different. Like if you go to MacMiller.com or you go to KendrickLamar.com, they're more like just press kits than they are. I mean, like back in the day, you went to like your favorite band.com. There was like a forum and you can discuss things about your band. There was news. But like now everybody hears everything and their Instagrams and all that kind of stuff are there. And I see some bands with like popping Instagram followings but less Facebook followers and everything like that. Some some people with insane YouTube followings, but less followers in other places. Oh, well, Twitter. yeah, you're always going to have one... Like, for us, right? We we have the website, and we have YouTube, Twitch, I have Twitter. another question after, after we're done with this. Like, I have a, like a big one after that. I'm just, yeah. You're always going to have one channel or whatever that mm -hmm. has your biggest base. Right. So maybe that's the hub. Yeah. Like for us, it's YouTube. But that's not, I mean, we're sending people from YouTube to our website so they can subscribe. Right. So, but that's because YouTube for us is customer acquisition. So right. whether you were using YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever, that should be your customer acquisition to yeah. send them somewhere to collect their info or to sell them something or to collect their info and then sell them something. 
Do you feel you have to pump money into these like media platforms? Like, uh, the way? because yeah. I know, like, like for example, Facebook. You Facebook, you have to pump money if you want. Like, and the, you're right, the algorithm changes a lot. But in order to acquire on Facebook, you have to pump money into it. I don't yeah. know how YouTube works or anything like that. Yeah, like there is something to be said. I was listening to this podcast, um, the Digital Marketer podcast, and obviously, like these people are far. You know, they're like living it. Yeah. Uh, and it was a topic of conversation on one of the episodes and they were just like, yeah, you know, like organic social is dead. If you're trying to like really do stuff on Facebook you, or Instagram, you're going to have to buy ads. And I think that there's probably a lot of, I, I mean, I don't disagree. So that's yeah. why personally for us, we haven't been allocating resources or time to building social um in in any sort of like active way right um we this week we're we have somebody who's going to be working on facebook specifically to try different like types of posts and whatnot um, yeah. but it's all been totally automated for a while just because like i haven't it has to me it hasn't seemed worth it to engage to spend time trying to like get people engaged on social because right like, because who cares like, yeah what are they gonna do yeah they're just gonna like your page and then it's gonna get buried with everything else yeah so but now i don't know i mean this dude has been he's you know gonna be experimenting with like creating different like short super short clips or creating like images right. and stuff and i'm just like cool that's fine let's do it we can have a more engaging facebook page right then what yeah exactly then then how do you how do you do that my other thing was like you you were talking about like a a team and stuff like that in general about how you're building it so like when you're starting out having a group of people who is who who are like i mean like i've i've tried to build like a team in terms of like all right well i have to make content right and then somebody who is on the edge of like, okay, you can think of marketing strategies and, and all that kind of stuff. A lot of times it's fallen towards me because either people aren't super dedicated or, or they're half dedicated. You guys have like a team at this point and you have people who you've worked with over a period of, of years, yeah. right? Like when you were building all of that, like was it just on you guys? Were you guys still like even looking back at it? Were you guys doing most of the work and then like, as soon as you started paying people that has come up or did you have people who were like, you know, I believe in this well and they were working for you effectively. Do, do you kind of see what I'm saying is like, do you have like investing money is an important thing, but like, do you have to wait until capital is invested to really form a team effectively that'll get your product or message out there? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think in order to build a team, you need, in the early stages, um, generally money is not an option. Right. Let's just assume that yeah, 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 money. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can buy somebody lunch or something, or you know, but essentially, it still can be done with no money. But what you need is a worthy cause and a strong network, because, like, I was doing. I'm writing this down. That's okay. We're recording this. Oh, perfect. Okay, that works for me. <laughs> um, when I first started making content, it was... Well, actually, it was uh, recording shitty metal bands. Um, as, Sick. Yeah, as an audio engineer. And then I got to... I started you did audio engineering? Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't yeah. know that. I mean, I didn't like go to school for it, but you don't so need I'm to like, go to school for it. You just have uh, to fucking I, learn how to. Yeah, you're, you're doing, doing it now. Yeah, doing it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there became an opportunity to help with the Kindly Fun Arcade uh, ranking battles, and these guys were in a pre-YouTube era. These guys were starting to do tournament videos, but they didn't know anything about audio, right. and so having helping them with audio was like child's play compared to trying to record like a full drum band set with yeah, a bunch of five different guitar, people. Yeah. yeah it's crazy but this was much easier and then through that i started to edit videos 
edit the tournament videos, do all the audio, do the whole thing. And then, because it was comparatively so much easier to just do podcasts, then uh, me and Arliff had, had the idea to do a podcast for Dr. Sub-Zero, uh, which was the first, essentially the first American Third Strike commentator. Yeah. And through that, it wasn't about me, it was just about him. I was just recording and producing yeah. it. And then over time started to, once that show died, then I started to do my own show, my own podcast. And I was doing, I had done, I don't know, like 10, 12 episodes before, uh, before I had Mike on. And, you know, it was just like, he was just a guest on the podcast. And then I did a bunch of other episodes and then had him back on again. And then over time, it became clear that like, he and I saw the the fighting game world the same way, and it was mm-hmm. always fun to, to work with him. So once we started to do more stuff together, then it was like easy. Yeah. Because once there's not just you, then and you have somebody else that you're like consistently working with. Right. It's easier to find other people. So we had started by doing the original cross-counter YouTube show for Machinima, and then on the way, in Hollywood, and then on the way back, stop at my place and chill for a bit so that Mike didn't have to drive home in traffic. And then one day, because we were bored, I was like, oh, like, we should, let's try to just, like, play online and record it. Yeah. And that was how Excellent Adventures was born. Yeah. Just by... Accident. Just, just yeah and then after doing like five or six episodes of that which was number one super easy to produce because there was zero editing because i was doing it all we were doing it all live like the audio was just going straight into the capture card yeah after doing it and having success then our friend steve who we had both knew individually separately offered to oh, that's to help yeah. shoot it Oh, shit. And at the time, in 2010, having, like, a big, fancy DSLR was, like, a huge deal. Yeah. But even though... And he was basically, like, willing to work for free and or cheap for, like, a long time, which is why he's one of our, you know, has been one of our partners, like, from the get-go. Yeah. But even though he had offered to help me with my stuff before and I'm sure he had offered the same help to Mike we didn't really know separately we didn't really know what to do with Steve but then once we had started work together Steve was a natural fit and then consistently throughout the years is always number one been the voice of reason and number two taking care of production when it comes to the Excellent Adventure show as well as like a bunch of ton of other projects. Right. But I don't think that would have happened did were I not already like trying to um, I mean I wasn't it's not that I was doing it on purpose but I was already producing like this work consistently right. and over time like FFA ranking battles uh, editing those videos doing the Doctor Sub-Zero show and then finally doing my own show 12 episodes deep or something like that then I, I you know I had Mike on for the first time it took just time of you like just pursuing of just mission. doing yeah because before that I was just doing the entire thing myself right and you just okay I got you see that makes more sense like the idea of like trying to make the mission speak for itself and then people come on as opposed to like you and know even in the early days once we had launched cross counter as a channel we were still we had built momentum uh, and then were able to get people such as uh, boss logic who I mean he just yeah. designed the original cross counter logo right um, he did a ton of art I mean that guy us. that guy's super nice just in general so he'll he'll do shit for you if and, he believes in you yeah right and that's the thing like the more that you're doing your stuff and the more that people can get on board with what you're doing, the easier it will be to attract these collaborators. Right. And they're not necessarily, 
it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about money. Like for example, um, the guy, you know, I mentioned that we're trying stuff with Facebook this week. His, um, the guy who's doing it is this kid from the Philippines who messaged me on Instagram and was like, yo, do you, you know, can you be my, uh, marketing mentor? I need, you know, I'm an artist yeah. I need help with this stuff. And I looked at his work. I'm like, dude, this kid is super talented. And I'm, so I, so we built the relationship and then he just started to like make designs for us. And now he's over here temporarily yeah. and he's interning for us. That's awesome. Yeah. And like, it didn't, it wasn't like, you know, sometimes people like hit you up and they want you to like pay them to do something. But or the they want they want you to do something for them to yes. propel them, yeah. Right, but this, the most talented people that I've found, at least artistically, I don't know, but those people have always come to me and offered to do stuff right. for me. Well, just in terms of what they also want to learn. I feel like it's more yes. like... Well, that yeah, I mean, that too. So, like, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure how that would apply with what you're doing, but I have a feeling that if you were to... And this is why, like, when people are starting out with content, I suggest trying to create stuff that's useful. Yeah. Because to you, I mean, what, like, what um, NLE do you, or what, what do you use to produce? Do you use, like, Logic or... I mean, yeah, I use, like, Pro Tools, Logic. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So you, you, you know how to use all three major, you know... Dollars, yeah. Yeah. And there's bound to be a ton of people out there that are trying to learn one or all three of those yeah. and you likely have some expertise in all of them that can help people that are just starting out get you know get their gotcha. training wheels on but does that make you but does that put, that's i've thought about that but i wonder worry if that sidelines me to an extent like i thought about doing a thing where it was like um it's corny. I thought about doing like a small little video series called Zed Talks. It's like TED Talks, whatever. Fuck it. So like, um, like I wanted to do that, and it's like a small like tutorial on something, or it's a small idea or a concept on something, you know, about like, you know, why you're not. There's a lot of stuff lessons I've learned about like, you know, why why you aren't good at this vocation that you're doing. It's because of time management. All these little small little lessons that you learn over time and I think that I think that's great yeah I don't, I don't uh, why well because my why brain, would that be why would that be sidetracked well, you want to like part of me wants to be the artist and my worry is like okay if I'm doing a tutorial on something are people just coming there for the tutorial and then it's like well fuck this shit you know are they coming there for the does that make sense it's, it's like it's like a reason you, to separate right okay. and, and just like for example um uh, like with this, um, I don't really care. Number one, I don't know how I'm gonna put this out, but let's say that it was like the <laughs> let's say it was it's gonna be just, interesting. Just, let's say it was just like the cross counter podcast, which yeah. we which we already have. Of course, we just want to like focus on just being the artist or this or that, but uh, there's there's got to be balance, and I don't think that there's I don't think there's a, any harm in putting out stuff that's useful because that can lead to credibility and opportunities that you may not have otherwise which can That's lead true. you to other opportunities that can directly That's benefit, a good point, yeah. you know what you're doing because you know there's no I don't know I mean even here, let, oh, here, here we go here okay. think about this right uh, Sien, 2013 Street Fighter uh, 4 world champion. Right. Even though he became Evo champion that year, there's still tons of videos, including one that we did, of him taking time to show other people how to play, how to be better at Street Fighter. Right. From that era. And he was also uh, writing. A, he was also like writing stuff in his blog. Right. And he was still the best that year. 
That's true, but I'm saying like, but Street Fighter is the thing with Street Fighter compared to other things. I get the idea of sponsorships and everything like that. You have to have personality, but Street Fighter is measured response, right? Like in a game of Street Fighter, you either win or you lose. A lot right, of the art no, is a little more subjective in terms of number. Or no, what I'm what I'm, what I'm saying is that even somebody who was the best in their field that year was taking the time to create content to help us. Good point. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, because we only have so much decision-making power every day, and we might only have so much creative power in our brain every day when we wake up. So you could spend all day in the lab cutting your hot tracks like I do, but, but then when you're done there's still another part of your brain that is essentially likely to be unused. Right. So it might seem like you're taking away time, but you're really not because you're using another part of your brain that can bring in more people, that can help more people, that can eventually bring bring in more opportunities. It's like an untapped resource that you can... Yeah. That's a good point. So I don't think... I think that that idea... Uh, is great as long as you can execute it in a way that doesn't take a whole lot of time. Like, for example, if you were to spend, um, you know, half a day on making this video and, you know, planning it out, shooting it, editing, upload, tag, write the title, post on social, make an Instagram post, send out a mass email, now you're looking at like a full day. Yeah. And then when the video goes up and you get like 50 views, you're like, well, it was fun. <laughs> but how long can you con- it's it's not very likely that you'll be able to continue investing that amount of time for such small return over a long period over a period of weeks, yeah. months, years. So that's why I recommend when people are getting started with content, they're trying to just focus on consistency, which means that if you had to do this every week for a year, right. you need to get that full day or even half day down to like 30 minutes. So that 30 you know, minutes. Yeah. Because that, I mean, you've done so for producing the content and editing the and whole thing, because Oof. it's much more, yeah. sustainable to invest 30 minutes that every like week four hours because life happens Comes up, yeah. yeah and you know it the other thing is that you might be able depending on what you're doing you might be able to bang out a bunch of them at once that's you know? true like for like specifically with excellent adventures we, like you know we were shooting once a month mm-hmm. and then we have content for every week right well then, that's the other thing. Is like so. So, are you saying that in terms of content, you're not like? I know that 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 worry about like oversaturating with content, you know, and like I've always had this. I've had this varying thing in my head where it's like whether you know, like that's really a thing. Like I know it's a thing, you know, but like especially for normal artists, I don't think I don't know if that's an actual thing because like. I don't think it's a thing. Yeah, well, because because if you're if you're new and if you're trying to get yourself out there, isn't the point to give as much content as possible? Yes. And put stuff out. Like I thought, I toyed with earlier this year. I had this publicist who I just really did not enjoy working with all that much. Um, he's a good guy, but I didn't enjoy working with him. Where it was like, you know, I said I'm gonna release a song a week because it takes me typically like I you write I write a lot I write every day write four or five songs a day you know like you know like you're constantly working constantly you're going and when you release content it feels good because you're like wow I put something out yeah put something out again put something out again so like I have this schedule where I was going to go do that and they're like don't do that why well because if you do that people aren't going to care that you just put out another song there's just going to be another song there right and I've kept hearing this debate over and over again like wait for like a couple weeks before you put something out wait like you know were these people are people that say that are they people that were have been involved in music in a when when music was sold 
on like physical media? <laughs> no, they're not. There are people who are, who did are involved. Did they go to school for music? Yeah, they did. Yeah, I'll give you. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's a, it's a constant thing in content where they're like where they're saying like you should hold. That's the thing. That's what I meant by the mystery thing. It's like if you should hold withhold some of your content and because there is something to be said about blowing up a big release, right? You know. But my thought is always: Is it better to just blow up that big release or do a bunch of smaller releases, and then when the big release comes along? How would you even know what a big release is until it's like? Until you have, yeah. Until it's like gaining traction. That's a good point. Yeah. There's no like I I mean maybe maybe I just don't understand anything about like pop music, but I don't. I mean, you can. It's hear. just a. It's just a giant. Fu- like for example, I went to Atlanta and like uh, there was a guy named J Dubs who did stuff for Puffy, and he was saying like it was in March of that year, and March like 18th, and he said I have 90 songs done, that are ready to drop, and I'm like, well, that's it's not even 90 days in the year. You have 90 songs fully produced ready to drop, and then I was like, all right, well, I gotta make a song, a day. I have to constantly work and stuff like that, and I like that. And I like the idea of, like, constantly releasing content. Yeah. My worry is, like, not either not servicing the marketing for that content well enough or, like, if the consistency will just take care of that. Like, oh, I'm constantly the releasing consistency content. consistency takes care of it. Yeah. And the other thing is that every time you go through the process start to finish of taking, like, a concept in your head and then making the song and then mixing, mastering, render, upload, release. Every time you do it, you're going to get a little bit better at every element of it. Yeah. And then the better that you get at certain parts of it, the easier it can be to delegate some of those parts. Yeah. Not, I mean... You know, obviously, you can delegate everything from the creation of your beat, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so like every piece of the every element of the process, aside from I don't know your original idea, can be delegated. Right. From, yeah. So I'm a proponent of trying to do the process as much as possible, because the more that you do it. The, the closer, number one, like the more you're going to build your audience, like just a little bit every time. And the more you do it, the better it gets. Like if you think about where you are now artistically versus where you were when you wrote like your first like five songs. Yeah. Right. Like it should take, it's like we have this um, idea funnel and all the shitty ones are at the top. So we yeah. got to like. Funnel them out, and then and then you get to the really really good stuff. Yeah, so that way it's I easier to. So I I'm not especially in an era where like okay number one we're not reliant on physical distribution of CDs. Number two we're not even reliant on getting placement on Spotify or iTunes because YouTube and SoundCloud exist. Well, that's a little bit untrue because like a lot of SoundCloud's SoundCloud's like very close to bankruptcy. <laughs> And like it's not it's not doing well. And then like YouTube's doing great, but like for a lot of artists, like getting on a Spotify playlist a lot of times makes or breaks you. Like getting put on a Spotify playlist is a huge boon. You'll get hundreds of thousands of plays. For sure, but but you can't control I mean, you can't, you can't control, control that. that, yeah. And there's still a lag between finishing unless they've changed something, there's still a lag between like having the finished file and it being immediately available on Spotify. That's true. That's that's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's still... It still has to go through all those channels. Yeah, and whereas, SoundCloud and YouTube is... Boom. Boom. Instant. Yeah. But yeah, like, I, I wouldn't worry about... I don't worry about any of those things. Um, because if you... Because every time you do it, you're going to get a little bit better. Yeah. And... You know, if you go through the entire process every week from now until this time next year, like, you're going to have 52 new songs. That's true. And, like, the people, you're still going to have, like, you know for sure you're going to be better because you just did it 50 times. Right. Of course you're going to be better. Right. Uh, And number two, the people who really do like your stuff are going to be like, 
Yes. And they're going to and people will be impressed by consistency the volume and dedication. You got, yeah. yeah. So I don't see any. I don't see any downside to cranking out more stuff if you have like stuff to crank out. Stuff to crank out. I mean, obviously, you know, not. I mean, you know, maybe not. Maybe you don't always have that. And the other thing is, you may be on like a time frame. Because you never know when you're going to go. <laughs> and that's where we can end. Yeah. Uh, any last question? Anything we didn't cover? Um, no. My, my Instagram and shit right. that this is going up. Yep. Uh, where my, do people go? To find my music. Uh, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Music. Z-A-I-D T Music. Uh, Instagram. Same same thing, Z A I D T music. Uh, Twitter, Z A I D everything Z A I D T music. If you search it you'll find me and all that shit. And I have an album coming out next week, so Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. See you next time. <laughs>